0: Can't just allow him to come off naked from that high screen and roll. I am Zach Booth, and this is Out of the Closet Sports, your weekly sports podcast where we talk about all things sports from the gay perspective. And this week on Out of the Closet Sports, it is great to be a Michigan Wolverine. That's right. Go Blue, the University of Michigan beat Ohio State 30 to 24 this past Saturday in the most recent installment of College Sports' biggest rivalry. This is Michigan's third victory in a row over Ohio State. That's the first time that that's happened, I think since the the late 90s. I wrote it down here somewhere. Anyway, I am a proud University of Michigan alum. I'm always happy to see them destroy Ohio State, especially considering I think after I graduated in 2004, we went through some awful span. I think we lost like 8 or 9 or maybe even 10 games in a row. It was it was really terrible. And on a personal note, my brother-in-law's family all went to Ohio State, and so we had a running bet during that epic Michigan losing streak where whoever won the game got to decide what the loser would wear to our family Christmas party. So I've worn the most awful, disgusting, uncomfortable Ohio State outfits to Christmas. For many, many, many years, and only the past two years, did I get some revenge. And it is sweet, sweet revenge. So we're on a gay sports podcast. Maybe this doesn't seem like the gayest story out there. But I have to say that there is nothing gayer, in my opinion, than a good sports rivalry. There's drama there's intrigue, there's bitterness, there's all kinds of catty name-calling. I remember going to, to school in Michigan, the shirts that we would wear to the Ohio State games. There were there were Ohio State shirts that said, muck Fishigan." Uh, there were shirts that said, Ann Arbor is a whore. I really love those. I love the, like, what is a Buckeye, or instead of a Buckeye, calling it a fire- Guy and really, what is a Buckeye? Like whose mascot is a nut? I, I I don't know. It's it's embarrassing. They lost. I don't want to rub it in their faces, but not only did you lose, but your mascot is a nut. I remember the first year that I got to school. I had no idea what this was like. I grew up in the Northeast. We didn't have college football rivalries like this anywhere near where I was growing up. I wasn't aware of this culture, and I had a friend that was a year older than me in Michigan. And she or two years older, she had gone to school with my sister. And so she invited me to the football game. She said, Did you get tickets? And I said, No, I, I didn't. I didn't know I needed to get tickets. And so she found me a ticket. And she said, You know, I'll meet you. I'll meet up with you for the game. I was like, Oh, great. I figured the game I was like, Oh, the game's at noon. It seems very early, you know, for a college student to get up by noon on a Saturday. Well, then I get a, a phone call from her. And she's like, Yeah, meet me at 930. At this frat house. And I was like, What? Like, what could you possibly need to do at 930 in the morning? Well, 930 comes, I meet her at the frat house, we're standing on like the front porch, or it might even have been like the balcony, like the roof of the front porch. Everyone's wearing maize and blue. They're drinking at 930 in the morning, which like is fine. But that was pretty new for me at that point in my life. And there were all these people, I think we were playing Wisconsin in that game, and anyone that came down the road, the main road of campus, we were on uh, State Street, and anyone that came down State Street wearing anything that resembled Wisconsin colors, they would throw water balloons at them. Or they, one, one frat house had a hose, and they would shoot the hose. And I was like, this is insane. Like, I, I don't know. It was a lot of fun. But then I thought, wow, what if I was one of those people that just got soaking wet and then had to go to a football game? Anyway, of course, I got indoctrinated. Of course, now I am a diehard Michigan Wolverine fan. I've got the family infighting between my brother-in-law and I. Like, the stakes were so high, and we won. And I am so, so, so happy, and I'm so happy that I get to come on here and talk about it and gloat about it. Uh, We already talked about how gay it is uh, to have a good rivalry. So as I said, there are elements to a good rivalry that do seem pretty gay, right? You're dressing up, you're name-calling, right? You're holding these bitter grudges for years and years and years. Well, to add to the drama this year, Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh was banned for the sidelines. This was the third game of a three-game ban that was levied on him by the Big Ten, which is the conference that Michigan is, is a member of. So they banned him for three games after a brief investigation into an alleged cheating scandal. Critics of the Big Ten say that the NCAA had opened their own investigation and was going to come to a determination and lay down a punishment on Harbaugh. But the Big Ten stepped in. Some people think that they did this because teams like Ohio State and Penn State and other teams in the Big Ten that were bitter at Michigan and angry that they'd been winning so much recently, that they urged the Big Ten to act faster than the NCAA and try to do something in the middle of the season, and those nefarious forces won out. So the Big Ten decided to sort of like subvert the NCAA and levy a punishment. Now, do I agree with the punishment? No. Do I think that Michigan was guilty? Certainly. I mean, to be clear, the allegations are almost certainly true, and Michigan did like visibly and aggressively abuse the system. Now, the system does already allow rivals to more artfully obtain the opponent's play calls and game plans. And and all of the teams have their own ways of gaining the competitive advantage. But Michigan, like, there, there was somebody that they'd hired. He was a consultant who I think had some kind of like a a history, like he he had a oh gosh, I wish I'd written this down. He has a background of I don't want to say he like worked for the FBI or something, but like he has like a surveillance background of some kind. Like this was one of the things that this guy had on his resume. They hired him and then he left like a very clear paper trail that he had been buying tickets to Rivals games for years and not just any ticket. Like he was sitting directly across from their sideline so that he could videotape what they were doing. So while I do think that this was clearly a case of sour grapes by the other teams in the Big Ten, namely Ohio State, I also have to acknowledge that, like, Michigan did get caught with its hand in the cookie jar. They did get caught red-handed. <laughs> another another reason that this story, I think, becomes a little more gay is because if you examine the way that these teams call their plays, like the system that Michigan was hacking was that they were deciphering the sequence of codes that the... Uh, that the other teams were using to to relay their plays from the sideline onto the field and the way that a lot of these teams are doing that now are using these like large billboards they're like you know these like four foot square pieces of board I don't know what they're made of but they have different like images on them like a you know like a school insignia or a cherry it's almost like if you went to Vegas and you pulled a slot machine you know and you get like cherry bar dollar sign whatever it is they're kind of like that and those the sequence. Of those signs lets the quarterback and the offense know what the play is that the coach wants them to execute. So <laughs> I just think it's so ridiculous that you've got this man who's like flying all over the country or having his minions fly all over the country, and he's sitting there and he's like they're scribbling down all these silly little images that are on placards and trying to decipher a code. Uh, I, I I don't know. I, I the image of it is just absolutely ridiculous. But no matter what you say. Jim Harbaugh wasn't there. Uh, One of the assistant coaches, Coach Moore, coached Michigan for the last three games, coached them to this victory on Saturday. It was not an easy victory. It was a hard-fought and hard-won battle. This is the first time that Michigan has beaten Ohio State in three consecutive matchups since the late 90s. I mean, this is a huge deal for them. They're, they're ranked. They were ranked number three. Now their ranking is definitely going to go up to number two. Up next, Michigan has to go play in the Big Ten Championship game against Iowa on December 2nd. If they win that game, they are certainly a show in for the college football playoff, which they have been in the last two years in a row. So Michigan is a powerhouse. Michigan is a force to be reckoned with. I don't think that Anyone can say that it was the cheating that got them to the top. I think that it is very clear that it's their football playing that got them to the top. But whatever anybody wants to say, it is just sweet, sweet victory Anytime Michigan pulls out a win over Ohio State. And to do it three years in a row after such a long drought, oh, it just makes me so happy. I want to say big congratulations to the Michigan quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, our super, super, super superstar running back, Coach Harbaugh, Coach Moore, the entire Michigan team. This is definitely like one of the most talented Michigan teams that I have ever seen play. It's really exciting. I hope that this year they can maybe even make it to the the championship, uh, maybe even win the championship. It would be huge. I'm very excited. Congratulations, Michigan. Sorry, Ohio State. Maybe next year.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, group void. Or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: And we're back. Okay. The next thing I wanted to talk about this week is. This NBA in-season tournament. Like, what the fuck is the NBA in-season tournament? I was a much bigger NBA fan in my youth than I am now. I remember when I was a kid, the Knicks were really, really good. Patrick Ewing, Charles Oakley, Anthony Mason. They had some incredible teams. Pat Riley was the coach. They were a powerhouse in their, in their division, in the Eastern Conference. And so I would pay attention. I was a hardcore Knicks fan. I would listen on the radio. I could not go to sleep at night if I was not listening to my Knicks on the radio. And nights that the Knicks weren't playing, hopefully the Rangers were playing and I would listen to the Rangers. But yeah, I was I was a big Knicks fan. I would say I was a bigger basketball fan as a young person than a baseball fan. Now I'm probably a bigger baseball fan. I don't follow the NBA too much because the Knicks are terrible. They're not terrible now. They're they're pretty good now, but they've been terrible for a long time. They signed Allen Houston to an extension, like a big contract somewhere in the late 90s or the early 2000s. And when that happened, I just totally gave up on them. So that being said, I haven't been following the NBA too hardcore these last couple of years. There was the, the season that the Warriors won the most regular season games, and and I was watching a lot of those games, and I was I was really a big Warriors fan that year. I'm proud of what the Knicks are doing now. I think Jalen Brunson is a great basketball player. I still believe in Julius Randle. I think that that team with Josh Hart can can really do something terrific this year. So I'm sort of loosely paying attention to the NBA, and the first thing that caught my eye was that like all of a sudden all of the courts are like painted. I don't know what to say, like super saturated basketball courts. Like they're no longer like just wood colored. Now they're all this like vibrant patterns and a collection of colors and team names. And I was like, wow, I guess like the NBA just went off. Well, apparently this is just for this in-season tournament. And I was like, okay, there's a tournament going on. Like this must mean something. So I looked into it. It started on November 3rd and it wraps up on December 9th. So the way that it works is that the teams are randomly sorted into groups within their conference and there there are six group winners along with two wildcard teams who will advance to a knockout round so eight teams go to this knockout round and this culminates in a final uh on december 9th okay cool well what's at stake nothing as far as I can tell, literally nothing is at stake, right? There, There's a separate trophy, okay? So we're going to not only have our NBA World Championship trophy, which thank you, Noah Lyles, we've already talked about how ridiculous that is, but now there's going to be this NBA in-season tournament trophy, which I guess will just sit in a trophy case, and then there's prize money from 50 k if if your team makes it into the corner finals to 500 k if your team wins the final. So that's a that's a good incentive. But like, I understand that there are a lot of NBA players that are not on those huge contracts that we read about in the newspapers. But I find it hard to believe that the 50k is really changing that many NBA players lives, it would change my life, the 500k changed my life, but I don't think it's changing their lives. So I'm like, what, like, what is going on here? Right? Why are they, they doing this? Okay, so first take obviously this is just an attempt to mimic March Madness right March Madness the college tournament every year it's this huge event people pay attention all across the country and internationally I'm sure as well people fill out their brackets online like it it is it is a cluster of excitement around college basketball and college basketball there are so many more teams they're separated in so many more areas of the country and They all play in many different conferences, so part of what's great about March Madness is you get all these teams that normally would not get to play each other, and they get to play each other, and you get to get these teams that have way less funding, way less notoriety, they don't get the national stage because they're not put on these nationally televised games, you get these teams get to come in and they get these sweetheart runs where they win a couple of games and all of a sudden they're in the Sweet 16 or the Elite 8 and it's a school that nobody's ever heard of or a school that, that people don't really think is going to succeed and now they're knocking out Duke or Kentucky or dare I say it, Michigan. So yeah, it's really exciting. So obviously this is an attempt by the NBA to try to mimic that but the problem is that the season is too long. Like The, the, the NBA's problem is that the season is too long. And the NBA's problem is that the playoffs are too long. That's why there's no intensity. That's why they don't have the same intensity of March Madness. So I don't understand the logic there. They're like, well, we're not getting the same level of fan engagement. We're not getting the same level of excitement. This is what we're going to do. We're going to put a tournament in the middle of the season. Well, okay, the tournament for the NCAA determines a national champion. Right? This is an opportunity for these basketball players who have not had a share of the national spotlight to win games and play well in front of scouts, in front of the public, and there are stars that are born out of March Madness, and that affects how they're drafted, that affects their ability to play at a professional level. There's a lot at stake for these kids. There's a lot at stake for these schools. Like, what is at stake in this NBA midseason tournament? Like, nothing. I just don't, like, I I really don't get it. So for my estimation, like, all the signs point to NBA is experiencing a lack of intensity and a lack of fan engagement. And somebody came up with this, like, half-baked idea. Okay, so let's unpack this a little bit. Another thing that's been happening in the NBA is that NBA teams are sitting their players intentionally because their bodies are breaking down over the long season right? That's what's happening. Stars are getting injured when they are tired by the time they get to the playoffs. So for years, NBA teams have been sitting their stars from time to time during the regular season, limiting their minutes so that they will be healthier and stronger when it comes to these long playoff runs, right? The NBA keeps expanding their playoffs, trying to make them longer and longer so they can sell more advertising dollars, they can sell more tickets. And so the basketball players bodies are breaking down. So the NBA was upset, Right. Obviously, the fans are upset because now I'm paying a lot of money to go see LeBron play when he comes to town with the Lakers, and all of a sudden LeBron isn't playing because they don't deem this to be an important game, or he's decided that this is the day off in his rest cycle, or whatever it is. So now I've spent all this money to see LeBron play, and he sits. So obviously the fans are pissed. So now the NBA has stepped in. They said, "Okay, we're going to start to fine these teams if they don't play their stars." Great. Well. Why are they doing that? Because they're getting negative feedback from the fans. Obviously, they're experiencing ratings dips, and they're experiencing engagement dips. So they they are trying to come up with ways to make the NBA a more attractive product for people to buy. So they're trying to force the players to play more, and now they're trying to institute a mid-season tournament, which, again, means nothing. So, like... I, I'm sure it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse here, but I just don't get it. So what I have to say to the NBA is why not consider shortening the season or shortening the playoffs or like implementing a tournament that has some kind of ramification for the playoffs? I mean, we know the reason you won't do those things is because longer means more money. But the bottom line is your players are exhausted and your fans are exhausted. And that is the problem that your league has right now. It's that simple. So if you want to return to the engagement that you experienced in the 90s, if you want to return to the peak heyday of people being thrilled for the NBA, I think you have to take the health of your players and the health of your fans into account you have to give them a higher quality product, you have to deliver it to them in a way that is affordable, that is accessible. But just copy pasting March Madness into the middle of your season. It's just, it's just really not working for me. Those are my thoughts on the NBA in-season tournament. I look forward to somebody explaining it to me someday or changing my mind. But for now, I'm not a fan
1: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: And we're back. So on a previous episode, we talked about Colin Martin, who plays for the San Diego Loyal. And we were discussing how he may no longer have a place uh, in league because the San Diego Loyal team is folding. But I wanted to touch on something really cool that's going on right now that's involving another former uh professional soccer player robbie rogers who i believe was the first male to publicly come out while he was playing in a professional sports league here in the united states uh he is right now he's retired from soccer and he is right now the executive producer and a writer on a show called fellow travelers which is airing on showtime i had the opportunity to go to a screening of the first episode of that show i found it really moving really interesting. Uh, My partner and I are really looking forward to watching the rest of the series and finding out what happens. Uh, it stars Matt Bomer, who is, I think, an icon, who also executive produces the show. And it also stars uh, our friend Noah Ricketts, who is an incredible actor. He does such a great job in the show. It's adapted from a 2007 novel called Fellow Travelers. And the show it starts in the 1950s during what was called the Lavender Scare, which was a witch hunt to out gay members of the government and label them as sexual deviants. It was led by Joseph McCarthy and Roy Cohn Uh, so you know it was part of the, the the red scare and the communism and all that all that stuff that was going on then anyway this show follows the characters from that time period through the rest of their lives from what I can tell so far that's what's going on but the performances are great Matt Bomer is just so beautiful and so talented Our friend Noah is starring, and it's EP'd by Robbie Rogers. And uh, I really admire Robbie Rogers for what he did for sports and what he is now doing getting these stories told on some of the largest platforms that we have. I don't work for them. I'm not getting paid by them. But go see fellow travelers on Showtime. I'm interested to hear what people think. (laughs) All right, that's all the time we have for Out of the Closet Sports. This was a short episode this week, but we will be back with another very special guest next week. Thank you for joining us. Please don't forget to tell your friends if you're enjoying the podcast. Have them listen, subscribe, follow us on all of our socials at Out of the Closet Sports. Bye!